Welcome to the Exploring Leadership Podcast, where we interview experienced HR leaders and executives to define what the most effective leaders are made of and how to help underperforming leaders transform into the best they can be. Brought to you by Lumen Leadership. Now, here's your host, Spencer Taylor. You are in for a treat today. I just finished an interview with a wonderful gentleman, Brian Hayes. Uh, who is a regional partner with Now CFO. I'm excited to get into that interview. You're going to hear some amazing nuggets. Uh, Brian talks about uh, a leader's approach to navigating failure. He goes through the, a fact that, the fact that great leadership is not necessarily about the leader themselves shining in certain moments, but rather someone who helps those under their stewardship feel great about their own potential and so much more. Uh, shares a couple of amazing stories about uh, one very positive uh, leader who he continues to try to follow today and, and is pleased to interact with. And another story from his past about a leader who made him feel small, essentially, and caused him to make a major change in his life. So I'm excited for you to hear from Brian Hayes. We'll get into the interview and, and I'll add a couple afterthoughts. Okay, Brian Hayes, welcome to the podcast. So glad that you can join us today. Thanks for taking your time. I appreciate the invite, Spencer. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I'd love for you to share uh, with our audience something about your life and who you are, what you're up to these days, just anything with your your family, education, career, uh, whatever comes to mind, just so we kind of have some context for who you are and what stage you are in your career, those sorts of things. Sure, sure. I'm, I've got kind of a weird background, but uh, I've been married 22 years. I've got five kids. Two of them are adults. Uh, the oldest will be getting married this year, so that's exciting, and uh, he's going to be marrying a good girl. Um, still got three kids that are in school, which is awesome, but, uh, grew up in Southern California, moved here to Utah oh, 12, 13 years ago. And, uh, we've been happy here ever since. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I guess in terms of career and background, it's been kind of a weird background, especially when you think about where I'm at now. So I'm a, I'm a partner with now CFO, which is an outsource, uh, controller CFO services company and consulting company. And, you know, I, I first started out my, my career after school in the pest control industry, if you can believe that. And I wasn't doing door-to-door sales like a lot of local guys have done in the past. I actually worked for a company there in Southern California and um, uh, worked in the structural fumigation division there and did that for about uh, nine years, 10 years. Eventually was running the, the practice there in uh, Escondido, California and opened another one in Bakersfield. And then the, the market tanked in 07 and 08. We moved back to San, San Diego for a short time, and I did, like, pool safety cover sales. And we moved to Utah for a sales company. Got laid off after three months with everybody else that they had just hired. And so um, after after before we moved to Utah, I actually started my degree then. I was 30 years old and already had four kids. We had a fifth one on the way. My wife was on board with it, but she thought she was, I was a little bit crazy. You know, my sure. dad thought I was crazy. You know, he's like, Hey, just cause he, he, my dad grew up on a farm. He was a Marine. He worked for UPS for like 27 years. Like, just go get a job here. You'll be fine. And, uh, I just said, no, I, I think I need to do something different. So that's when I went to school. I was 30 years old. Uh, I went to school for five years straight online while working full time uh, and then moving to Utah uh, I got a bachelor's degree in accounting and then an MBA in finance and, um, you know, graduated in 2012. So not even nine years, really. And uh, so from then, you know, once we moved to Utah, I had 
you know, got laid off, like I mentioned, and just ended up started doing a bookkeeping in a company just to get experience while I was still in school. And so I, that was kind of my first jaunt into entrepreneurialism. Uh, it was very interesting, learned a lot. You know, I'd done sales in the past, so I felt like, you know, I knew how to sell and it was a totally different thing selling something you didn't know as much about as you thought you did, right? <laughs> so sure. uh, it was a really good experience for me. And eventually one of my clients actually hired me on and I became their controller and operations manager. And we were importing uh, acai and other super fruits from Brazil, selling them to some big companies across the U.S. And uh, did that for several years, <clears throat> which was a lot of fun. Learned a lot and uh, eventually helped them merge with another company moved on, worked for a couple small companies and um, ended up at now CFO just over six years ago. And uh, it's been fun. I was a consultant initially, worked a lot in the nonprofit space. And the opportunity came up to become a partner about a year later. And so I went to Texas and I opened some offices in Central Texas, spent two years out there and then came back here to Utah. And we've been back here ever since. So you think about man, this guy—he's—he's he's just a dumb fumigator. How's he in a, in a partner in an accounting firm? You know, this oh, guy's got to so be great. got some sales skills or something. I don't know. Or he's the luckiest guy around. No, I love it. I—I I think uh, honestly, I think a lot of us think of ourselves in similar terms. Of uh, I'm just I'm just insert whatever that is here, right? And and how did I get to be what I am? And uh, there's that whole imposter syndrome. I think it's really easy to to think of ourselves that way. And yet you've, you've achieved what you have achieved and it's incredible. So, uh, really grateful for what you shared there. That's an awesome intro. Had a couple of thoughts. Um, one of them is kind of a selfish question, uh, because you're, you're just a little bit ahead of where my wife and I are. We have six kids. Uh, your, your statement about two of them being adults, um, our oldest is 18 and we'll be leaving home this summer. Is that strange for you to have two kids that are adults? And like, how do you navigate that? <laughs> what, what is, Where do you think all this gray came from? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I keep getting told how much gray I've got. I've got almost as much gray in my beard as my dad does now, it seems like. But, uh, you know, it's <clears throat> for me, it's not so strange. It is a little bit, but it's not. My wife and I always thought, man, we want to get our kids while we we're young and poor so that we still have hopefully some energy when they're old enough to be out of the house. and my youngest will be 18 before I'm 50. So I'm like, man, this is fantastic. We'll, we'll be able to mm. still have fun, have energy. You know, hopefully they will be grandbabies one day and you just get to have fun. I, I teased my wife because I said, you know, you could be a grandma very soon here. She's in her <laughs> early 40s and she's like, no, I'm way too young to be a grandma. That's just not going to happen. I, like, I already got the look. You know, I'm a fat, jolly, white haired guy, you know, so. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Well, I, I love it. Just your your focus forward and just enjoying your, your kids at this new stage, I guess you could say. And uh, yeah, being an empty being empty nesters basically before you're or by the time you're about fifty, that's pretty awesome. And not a lot of people uh, can celebrate that. So that's cool. Yeah, thank you. Well, good. Yeah, good words of words of wisdom there. The second one was it really struck me uh, that you received advice from uh, well-meaning people, including your father. I'm sure he's wonderful. Had had your best best, uh, the best of intentions and in sharing that, uh, advice, but have you ever thought about what, what your life would be like if you would have taken that advice and just went and found a, uh, whether blue collar, white collar, whatever, nine to five job based on your credentials back then. And what would your life have been like? You know, that's a, it's a really good question. I've actually thought about that <clears throat> a fair amount. 
because it just seems like there's it, there's it's interesting because you come across points in your life where that you you have these decision points. If you make one decision, your life can go one way. If you make a decision, your life could go a completely different way. I've had several of those in my life, and th- that was definitely one of them. And I think if I had done that, I don't think I'd be nearly as happy as I am now. It's I, I told my dad if I had to do the same job day in day out, just going and deliver packages or doing the same thing over and over. For me, that's just not satisfying. You know, I, I need to be challenged. I need to interact with people and, and try to learn and, you know, make mistakes. And, um, you know, you see, I've, I've done a lot of different things in my career and gone back and forth, kind of reinvented myself a couple of times. And for me, that's the interesting part of life. And if there's not if there's not those challenges, there's not those opportunities to learn, to grow, to try something new, uh, I think I would... Uh, I think I'd still be kind of stuck in a mentality of, well, I'm, I'm just an employee. I'm a nine to five guy. This is all I can do in my life. And you know, I feel like my eyes have been opened up more to what the world really can offer and what I can offer the world. That's awesome. <clears throat> I honestly feel like we could just end the podcast episode here because that's a, <laughs> that's a really great nugget. I, I tried to capture pretty close to what you just said. So you said if there aren't challenges, if you're not being challenged, if there aren't opportunities to learn and try something new, you'd still be stuck in kind of that employee mentality and ultimately miserable um, kind of on the professional front, at least not to say you wouldn't be happy in your family life, but that, that's pretty amazing just to think about. And, and it, it came from not following advice of people that love and care about you. Yeah, it's it's funny because and look. I'm not, I'm, there's nothing against having those kinds of jobs. My, my dad's done yeah. that. My grandparents, I mean, salt of the earth people that can do great things. It, it's just not for me, obviously, but it, it's interesting to see now the change that um, has come around, especially in my dad, where he didn't understand it at first. You know, he was, he was grew up on a farm. He went in the Marine Corps at 17. Mm. You know, he's always worked with his hands and he's like, that's what he knew. And to see him turn around, he's actually changed his tune. He's like, man, this is really cool. He, I, he sees what that effort brought and it's different. And he knows that now it's not the path that I needed to follow, but it was well-intentioned and I still call him and ask him for advice and thoughts, but it's just one of those things where you got to decide for yourself. What's right. You know, depending on, it doesn't depend on no matter what other people say. Ultimately it's up to you in the direction you want to take your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I love that. We're not uh, in, in talking about this. Certainly, we're not trying to discredit or, or um, you know, degradate anyone's choice for a career path. But the key is what you said that it wasn't for you, right? The, mm-hmm. You have to do the thing that resonates with what you feel your purpose is and what you, what you can, what you can do to add value uh, in this world, given your interests and. Uh, curiosities and whatever, whatever else is just a natural part of who you are. So I, I, that's what really resonates with me and, and stands out. So I, I hope that, that people are getting value from that idea because I think it's really powerful. So anyway, yeah, thanks thanks for uh, expounding on that a bit. I think it's a, a great point. Now let's shift gears a bit and, and uh, start talking a little bit about some of the leadership uh, experiences you've had. Um, as you know from just our offline communication, uh, the goal really is just to highlight a couple, two stories. Uh, the first, we call it the sunny story in the sense that the sun is shining and everything's good in the sense that uh, it's, a, it's a high impact leader, a, a leader who had a very positive influence on you. 
that can be what from whatever period of life that that came from. So maybe we can start there with the good stuff and then we'll we'll talk about the opposite, a, a leader who maybe uh, you learned kind of what not to do or or took some things away from a leader that may not have been the best uh, example to follow. So anyway, we can start wherever you'd like, but that's that's our goal here. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting because as I thought about the leaders that have impacted my life, <clears throat> it's not it's not always those specific moments that I've spent with them and, and they've told me something different, but it's usually the way they've, they've left me feeling about myself and how I've feel like I've been able to learn and grow and become a better person. I've had some great leaders in my life, some great mentors, obviously some, some that are less than stellar. Um, one of the things that I think about right now, honestly, is, is my business partner, Jim Bennett here at now CFO. You know, he started this business just on himself and, and he's grown. And it's, we've all grown this company over the last 15 years. And, it's, it's funny because when you look at my background, you think this guy shouldn't be doing an accounting, any consulting in that. And um, when the opportunity came up to be a partner, you know, we sat down and he said, look, if you're willing to put in the work, I'm willing to help support you. And that's really what he's, he's done for me all these years. Um, he's let me fall on my face and he's let me make mistakes. Uh, one recently, just about a year ago, I, I knew I had to let somebody go but I was hesitant to do it. He and I talked about it several times. We knew this person, it just wasn't the right fit for this person. And um, I kept thinking, well, maybe they'll turn it around. Maybe they'll turn it around. He's like, look, Brian, this is what's going to happen. So you need to make a decision and do this. And finally, you know, when things just got really bad, I, I finally pulled the plug on it. Right. And I, I let this person go. And, you know, I, he, we sat down and it wasn't a berating conversation by any means. It was a, See, this is why we got to make these decisions sooner. You didn't do them any good. You didn't do us any good. In the long run, we would have been better to, to move forward faster. And, you know, that sounds kind of like a negative situation in some regards, but in many, it's, it's letting me fall on my face, letting me learn, make the mistakes, and not just take over like a lot of people might want to do. And that's that's kind of been the way my career's been, especially here at Now CFO, is I've made a ton of mistakes. And the nice thing is it's it's almost like a sandbox where we can make mistakes and that's encouraged. And, you know, obviously we want to do the best we can, but it's it's more about we and not me. And, and that's the attitude that I've learned a lot just working with Jim and the rest of the partners here at Now CFO. We've got such a fantastic group of people that um, it's wonderful because we get to learn from each other all the time, weekly. And that's just part of our DNA at Now CFO too. Is we we do training weekly and we get together constantly and we teach each other and share and that's something that Jim's fostered. So, you know, not one person has all the answers, but we all do together. And I think that's been one of my greatest experiences, and at least recently, you know, with with uh, a leader. Um, Phenomenal. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, if I can, I'd love to just ask a question about something you said that again, right, right at the beginning, you mentioned that it's, it's not so much about I'm trying to remember your words that the moments or the the experiences the leaders creating like, oh, that one day, that one speech, that one email, you know, it's not this little moment. It's about how they make you feel about yourself. Uh, so I think that's really interesting because you know, I think a lot of times when we look at the cover of the latest entrepreneur magazine or uh, the headlines of different leaders that spotlight sometimes it feels like in order to be great as a leader you have to insert yourself in those ways that are very much the limelight and the glory and 
and all that. But your comment was kind of the opposite in a way that that's not the goal at all. Uh, it's really just to help everyone come into themselves and, uh, and, and be great. And I don't know, do you have any, any further uh, reflections or thoughts around that? I think the one thing I would just say is that it's the best leaders that I've known and, and the people who grow into good leaders are the ones who are humble enough to learn the lessons, who are willing to share what they've learned. They're inquisitive. They ask questions. They're not, it's not the person who's living on the throne and telling everybody what to do. And I know this is, it's kind of cliche in many regards because you, know, you, you see all the, the memes about leadership and stuff, but really it's true. The real leaders are the ones that are the ones invested in helping you become the best person that you can be. It's not about me. It's we, how do we, how do we expand on that? How do we help each other grow and bring, bring lift to each other's lives? Um, and, and that's what is exciting about being a leader in my mind. Mm. I like how you put that uh, very well said. Well, and I'm, yeah, it's easy to want to continue to dissect and maybe we'll circle back. Let, let's insert maybe the second story then, uh, the other, the other side of the equation, uh, a leader, again, you're welcome to use, um, false names or whatever you need to do to protect the innocent, <laughs> not the innocent whatever that, whatever the case may be. Uh, but let's, let's go there and then maybe we'll come to a place where we can talk about balancing lessons for both. Yeah, no, it, it's actually almost quite the opposite experience I had. And it was earlier in my career, just before I got out of the, the pest control industry. I, as I mentioned, I had been running this division in San Diego and moved to Bakersfield, opened a division there. And to grow in that company and become a branch manager and things like that, you, you had to learn how to do sales, get additional licenses and things like that, which I had done. And I trained my brother to replace me, which was great. He took over that fumigation division. I moved into to full-time sales. It was a full commission type situation. And uh, this, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of hard work. And I had a great start. I had some great people I was working with and uh, the market was hot, obviously, you know, real estate and uh, that industry were, were tied very closely together. And, you know, it was, it was 2007 when the housing market tanked and, my branch manager and I had been friends for years. We've been working together and he knew all the work that I'd been doing, but our, our uh, president of the company was coming down and we sat down and he, he asked me a question. He's like, Brian, did you sell enough last month to make enough commission to feed your family? Hmm. I said, no, it was a rough month. I mean, everybody's was down and I was doing everything I want. I could. And his only comment to me was you're not trying hard enough. And I thought, you have no clue what I'm doing. You're, you know, a hundred miles from here, not paying attention to what I'm doing. Um, didn't really understand the amount of work I did. And when I tried to explain what I was doing, it was just like, that's excuses. You're just not working hard enough. And I was gone within two weeks from that company. I'd spent nine years there. Uh, I was on my way up and uh, my friend who was the branch manager at the time, we're still friends. You know, he, he's, he's like, look, I get it. I could see it in your eyes. You were going to leave right after that comment. Cause it's, it's so debilitating when, when somebody who you look up to or is supposed to be there to support you and help you just disregards everything you've just done and isn't there to, especially when things are going well to say, Hey man, great job. You know, and they just show up when things aren't good and it, it's come and beat you with a stick and say, you're not working hard enough. I mean, that's just debilitating and nobody really wants to work in that kind of environment. In my opinion, I certainly couldn't thrive in it. Um, 
you know, people, people need to have somebody who believes in them and strengthens them and is encouraging to them uh, versus just there to beat them down when they do something wrong. So it's, it's quite the opposite experience from what I, I, I deal with now, honestly, and, and the people I work with. And I've tried to seek out better people to work with so that I know the difference and I can learn and get better because, you know, you got to be around better people if you want to be a better person. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> that's, that's a great lesson. Well, and I, I love the story, even though it's a hard, I'm sure it was a difficult situation. I love it in the sense that it's an important cautionary tale that there are things we can extract from that. I think sometimes uh, a leader can just be moving at such a pace that they unintentionally create that experience for their people. Not to say that was a situation here, but it's just, it's easy to get too much into, um, I guess a transactional approach uh, mm-hmm. to leadership versus remembering what you said that you need to convey as a leader. You've got to convey that sense of believing in your people, strengthening them, encouraging them. Some of those keys you, you, uh, you're listed there. Um, and it seems like the, the really a couple of things that I jotted down listening to your story that this gentleman disregarded your effort, that he really didn't look at the effort. Uh, he only showed up when things weren't good. So that, that those, those couple of uh, behaviors, I think, um, almost always are going to go poorly, no matter what the intent of the individual is, who is the leader. Uh, if that's the only time we transact, so to speak, or we interact as leaders, um, probably not going to lead us to that place where we have a team that wants to stick around long-term. I think you're exactly right there. It's, it really comes down to being there all the time, you know, even though maybe we're tired as leaders, right? <laughs> but you got to be there to support your team and, and coach them, you know, uh, I remember I played football in high school and, you know, coach always told us, if I'm not yelling at you, it doesn't mean I, it means I don't care anymore, you know? And <laughs> so I think that was his way of trying to make us feel good about getting yelled at and having to do extra laps. But uh, in, in some regards, that's great because the yelling is the coaching, right? And we don't necessarily have to yell in, in a business environment or a home environment if we're, you know, fathers and mothers and, you know, things like that. But we, we can still get our point across and show that we care and we're there to help and support. Well said. That's great. Well, and I wonder too, as I'm reflecting on your previous story uh, about your your partner there, Jim Bennett, and just your, your colleagues and the, the positive team you have, uh, let's play the what if game for just a minute. What if this leader from that pest control scenario was suddenly inserted into your, your team there uh, as, as a leader, as a partner? Uh, what would that be like? And how would that change things uh, compared to how you're going now? I think we'd have the same result. I would be gone pretty quickly. <laughs> I think okay. it would be really debilitating too. And I think the one thing that we've realized in, in this business at now CFO is that, you know, there's, there's talent everywhere and, you know, we need to recognize what our talents and skills are and, and extract ourselves from the places that we can't work well and bring in the people who can. And we've, we've done that. And it's been great because we've got a great, a new CEO, um, Randy Christensen, you know, Jim kind of pulled himself out of that and said, look, you're better at this. Let me, you need to do this. You take care of this. I'm going to do what I'm good at. You know, we as, as partners, he's like, Hey, you're great at this. I want you to handle that. And, you know, bring in somebody like th- this other uh, person, I won't mention names, but it, it would just be debilitating to the, the whole environment. That's just not, it's just not the best way to get things done in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it, uh, 
they they'd say you know one one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch kind of a deal and i, I really think that's so often true uh when, and when you think about leadership culture i guess if, you, if you, we can kind of label it that way um what happens in an executive meeting for example everybody can feel the mood shift in the room if just one person is in a sour mood even if it's just it's somebody who's who's typically great and if they just have a bad morning it kind of spoils the whole meeting and that only compounds um when that's how that person always is uh, they have that uh, scarcity mentality or just kind of have bur- burr under their saddle or whatever whatever term works uh it, it just it's not worth the the investment of time and effort because it's going to lead to a place where ultimately people want to be somewhere else and that, that's no way to grow a company. So anyway, yeah, I like, I like how you kind of wrap that together. Well, and the interesting thing is, is sometimes you do have to have conver- hard conversations and there's going to be heated discussions, but at the end of the day, you got to know that you've got each other's back and that you're, you're supporting each other. It's not coming from a place of animosity. It's, Hey, this is what I believe. And I'm trying to do the best I can. And, let's come together and let's figure it out. And yeah, after, at the end of the day, let's go get some dinner and be friends still, but you know, don't be afraid to, to really share what you, what you believe and work together to find the right solution. You know, I love that you brought that up because the goal is not kumbaya, so to speak, right? The goal is not to get to a place where like everybody's smiling all the time and every decision is completely unanimous and, Everyone just, you know, it's this fake rainbows and butterflies world that just is not the world we live in. Um, there needs to be conflict, in fact. Like, we need to have healthy conflict in the terms of, you know what, we see that differently. Like you said, it, it's about, as you understand that central intent being the best interest of one another and the organization. And at the end of the day, you come to a place where you you bring it in for a landing, so to speak, and you have a, a clear path uh, for where you're going to go next even if you didn't get your way or they didn't get their way or, or whatever. I think that's the goal. Uh, so you can have this uh, well-aligned uh, leadership team um, as opposed to just a bunch of nodding heads like, yep, we'll do whatever as long as we can keep getting along. You know, that that's not at all uh, reality or the goal. Absolutely. Well, we've had some interesting conversations as a partner group, and but at the end of the day, we're still friends and we get things done. So it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a stressful process sometimes, but it's, definitely worthwhile. Sure. Yeah, that, that's well said. It can can be uh can be very taxing, but it, it leads you to a higher ground ultimately it sounds like. That's that's a that's wonderful. Well, so reflecting on both stories and again you you did a great job bringing out these natural lessons learned uh, along the way, but is there kind of one major takeaway that uh, that you'd just like to highlight from either story or just in general? I just the thing that always comes back to me and I recognize this earlier in my life and it's at points I've forgotten it, but, uh, and I appreciate you inviting me to this podcast because it's reminded me that the best leaders are developing good leaders and they're, they're surrounding themselves with the best people possible. Uh, there's, there's a lot of humility in leadership if it's done right, because you're not, you're not the one that's got to have the right answer every time you're the one that's looking for the right answer. And that doesn't matter who's got it. And, um, the best leaders are the ones that are giving people those opportunities to, to shine. You know, it's, it's, it's not a spotlight on me. It's we're a team, we're working together, you know, we're going to have some rough days, but ultimately when we, when we're looking for the right solution and we can hopefully put egos aside a little bit and we'll come to the right solution eventually. And uh, I think the best leaders are the ones that do that. They're the ones that 
just let people shine and give them the opportunity to have lift in their life. Awesome. I, I love that so much. Um, I, I wrote down your, your statement. There's a lot of humility and leadership that's being done right. It doesn't matter where the answer comes from as long as we get to the right answer. I just, I just love that as a, a guiding principle for leadership. I think that can act as an important kind of North Star uh, in any situation. Again, even if it's in a conflict situation like we briefly kind of touched on there, uh, or if it's a, a new relationship where there's not initial, there's not a, an awareness of the other person yet, like a, a good way to start is, is to not care who gets the credit, I guess is kind of one of those underlying ideas that uh, at least that comes to my mind as I'm listening to you. So anyway, yeah, well said. Um, and any other parting words before we wrap it up? I'm so grateful for you taking the time, but any, any other things you wanted to share? You know, that's just it. Just go out there do the best you can, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes and don't be afraid to ask for help and questions. You know, that's how things, that's how we learn. That's how we grow. I, I like to study stoicism a little bit. Marcus Aurelius talks about the, you know, you know, the, the impediment to action becomes the action, the obstacle in the way becomes the way. And don't be afraid to go through those obstacles. It's, it's, it's a reminder. I have to give myself all the time. And as leaders, we see them quite a bit. And don't forget that everybody around you has also got an obstacle that they're dealing with. Hmm, I love that. Maybe we'll have a, a version 2.0 of this, uh, like a, a second round to talk about stoicism because I think there's so much power in in those ideas and I've become a bit of a student of that myself so yeah I'm so glad you inserted that and that's a nice end cap uh, to our conversation so I appreciate it thank you I appreciate the opportunity to be here wow so many great nuggets there from Brian from that conversation uh, really grateful to to him for that a key question for you the listener what will you do today or this week to step up your leadership game, to be that type of leader. Brian, uh, toward the end there, talked about there being a lot of humility in leadership if it's being done right, that it not mattering where the answer comes from, as long as we get to the right answer. How will you exhibit that more clearly uh, with greater impact this week? Maybe you have an upcoming meeting. Maybe you're uh, mentoring or have a chance to mentor a leader who has great potential and is kind of rising through the ranks, how can you help uh, another leader uh, increase their impact? I think that so often is where the magic happens is when we turn the focus away from ourselves and we turn the focus toward enabling and empowering another leader, another individual, or even a non-leader who has potential to be a leader at some point um, with those right principles that uh, the brand did such a great job highlighting for us. So that's the question I'll leave with you today is what will you do to enable someone else in your organization to rise uh, up toward their leadership potential? Thanks for joining today. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Exploring Leadership Podcast. To access free videos, leadership tools, case studies, tutorials, and more about how to engage your leaders at the next level, visit lumenleader.com. We'll see you next time.